Today we continue our series on who is Jesus. Last week we talked about him as the rule breaker who actually broke the law to welcome the outcast. Today we talk about another set of rules that Jesus broke. This time there were social and economic norms, norms that Jesus violated in preference for the least and the lost. Our text comes from Luke chapter 14, verses 1, and then 7 through 14. One Sabbath, when Jesus went to eat in the house of a prominent Pharisee, he was being carefully watched. When he noticed how the guest picked the places of honor at the table, he told them this parable. When someone invites you to a wedding feast, do not take the place of honor, for a person more distinguished than you may have been invited. If so, the host who invited both of you will come and say to you, Give this person your seat. Then, humiliated, you will have to take the least important place. But when you are invited, take the lowest place, so that when your host comes, he will say to you, Friend, move up to a better place. Then you will be honored in the presence of all the other guests. For all of those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. Then Jesus said to his host, When you give a luncheon or a dinner, do not invite your friends, your brothers or sisters, your relatives or your rich neighbors. If you do, they may invite you back, and so you will be repaid. But when you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed. Although they cannot repay you, you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. Let us pray. Lord Jesus, always remind us of the value of the people around us, especially those people that we sometimes too often overlook. Help us to love others, all others, as you have loved us. Lord, I ask that the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Amen. One of the unexpected joys of having multiple children is hearing the cries of shotgun as the kids race to the front seat of the car. It still happens sometimes, even though my kids are older now. Our desires for the seat of honor start very early, upwardly mobile. It's embedded into so much of our very culture. I remember even as an elementary school kid, just the prestige of being the line leader in school, you know, being the, at the very front of the line, the first one to go into rooms and to lead all the rest of the crowd. Or, or as someone has said, when you're not the lead dog, the view is always the same. Uh, or I remember being the student that's assigned to take names for the teacher while she's out of the classroom. That feeling of importance, sitting up front, ruling over all of the subjects of the classroom. Uh, and then, of course, schoolyard picks were a major indicator of status. Man, you wanted to be picked first, and if you were for some reason last, that was hard to live down. When I think of my own history, I realize that so much of our culture lends itself to exclusiveness. I was in ability groupings in school, and I loved it because it worked for me. We had a uh, in our school, we had three ability groupings, the A group, the B group, and the C group. And they, they put us all in our different groups, supposedly so we could all get the best education for our levels. Well, I was in the A group. I was a nerd, and, and I liked it. It favored me, so I thought it was a great way to be in school. 
in junior high and high school, honors classes did the same thing. They allowed me to only associate with the, uh, with the other folks that I felt I should be around. And it was they made it possible for me to isolate from some folks that, quite frankly, I didn't want to be around. Then by graduation, we're jockeying for our rank in the class, at least those of us that the system favored. A few of us were fighting for a coveted spot on the platform. I almost made it. Most just wanted their diplomas. Our adult lives aren't much different, are they? We are upwardly mobile, trying to move up the ladder, trying to get to the bigger job, the bigger house, the bigger salary. We want to be bigger and better. When I entered ministry, an older pastor pulled me aside, seeing some promise in me, and he gave me this encouragement. He said, if you want to move up in the conference, you need to, you need to move every three years. That's enough time for you to establish yourself, do some good, show some leadership, and then you'll move into a raise and you'll go to a larger church. Move every three years, and before you know it, you'll be pastoring one of the big churches. It's advice that I didn't take. I didn't want to work that way. Grasp the seats of honor by whatever means necessary. That's the rule of the day for us, just like it was in Jesus' day, just like it was in this banquet. Grab the most important places, no matter who we have to step on to get there. For those of us who are privileged enough, there is the ever-present temptation to cry shotgun and race for the seats of honor. But what about those who are relegated to the back seat? What about those who are left behind? What is our responsibility to them? What is our relationship with them? At whose expense have we made it to the top? And what are we going to do about it? Those are tough questions for people of privilege. As a young man, I barely noticed those who were left behind. My high school was fully integrated. From first grade all the way through 12th grade, I was in integrated schools. But in my senior classes, there was only one black student. To the best of my recollection, in National Honor Society, we were almost all white with only one or two black students. I'm embarrassed to say this at the time, and I truly am. I, I hate that I felt this way, but back then, when I realized the difference, when I realized the discrepancy, I simply blamed the ones who didn't make the grade. I thought that we were all on a level playing field, and any of us that worked hard enough could be in those honors positions. We could Anybody could have the seat of honor, so I thought. And so I just said, those people that aren't included, well, it's their own fault. They should have worked harder. It never occurred to me at that age to question the system. Maybe a system that favored me was somehow biased against some of my fellow students. Maybe there were forces that helped me along that I didn't recognize, forces that tripped up some of my fellow students. It's easy for that isolation to continue into our adult lives. When I think about most of the folks I'm around, most of us can go through life without ever really having an encounter with the poor, with the under-resourced people in our community. Most of us can very comfortably isolate ourselves from those folks that perhaps we might not want to be around. For many in our affluent culture, 
Their only encounter with the poor is when they're confronted with the occasional person asking for a few dollars to buy food or gas. In fact, I've discovered I can be a church's favorite pastor without ever encountering marginalized people. If I, I can devote 8, 10, 12 hours a day caring for the affluent folks that are a part of my flock, never encounter the least, the last, and the lost, and they will be singing my praises. Even our approach to missions can enable our isolation. We do a lot of good with our checkbook, and I will never sell that short. Forest Lake, I brag about Forest Lake everywhere I go, about the way that you invest so generously in the people in our community. You are making a difference. You are changing lives with every gift. I promise you that, and I will never belittle that. But in addition to that, more than giving, I would say that Jesus invites us into relationship with the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. In this story, Jesus doesn't ask the crowd to take up a collection for the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. He says, have a meal with them. Sit down and have a party with the poor, the lame, the crippled, and the blind. Choose the lower seat, or it may be chosen for you. That's a painful move. Take it from someone who's been there. I spent five years as senior pastor of First United Methodist Church of Rainbow City. My career was moving in an upwardly mobile fashion. Things were looking good for me. I was getting roles in the district and in the conference. I was trying to navigate into bigger and better. My career was on the right path, and everything seemed to be turning out well for me. And then, and then the bishop sent me to a three-point charge. That's three churches in a town of 409 people on the very edge of the conference on the Georgia state line. Wow. My colleagues kept asking me why I was being punished. What had I done to anger the bishop, they would ask me when I went to district meetings. I stayed in that appointment for three years, for six years, excuse me. I stayed there six years. I would have stayed longer, but God called me to Forest Lake, where I am now. God accomplished some incredible things in that three-point charge, some of which are continuing to this day. God reconnected me with some of the people that I thought I was leaving behind. To the upwardly mobile, it did look like punishment. I went from a much more prestigious appointment to a three-point charge out in the middle of nowhere. But how is it punishment to connect with beautiful people in life-changing ways? The very idea that we think of it as punishment proves our misguided priorities. Our priorities are for bigger and better, and if something violates that, it's punishment, even, even if it's doing beautiful work with beautiful people. Now, I'm not saying that ambition is wrong. I am saying that we should be careful that we don't leave Jesus behind. No matter where we think our lives are taking us, we can't leave Jesus behind. Jesus who said, throw a party, throw a party for the poor, the blind, the lame, and the crippled. 
you'll find Jesus in their midst because that's who Jesus hangs out with. We can't truly call ourselves followers of Christ until we go where he goes. And I'll assure you that even this very moment, Jesus is hanging out with the marginalized, the left out. We must be too. Come on, Forest Lake. Let's throw a party for the left out folks of the world. Amen.